Good morning, everybody. Can anyone tell me what day it is today? I can't hear you. What day is it today? Christmas Day. That's right. It's a time we come and celebrate. Have a stand this morning. We celebrate the birth of our Saviour, Jesus. And how about you come and you sing with us this morning? We're going to start with Come All You Weary. Are you weary this morning? I hope not. You're all excited because we're all the presents you've opened this morning, right? Our God is a God of gifts. He gave us the one true gift, Jesus, His Son. Love came to us. Come on, here we go. Oh God. 
his only son. And that's why we're here today. This beautiful day. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. A time the world has set apart to celebrate Christmas. But we are here because we know who the real deal for the season is. We know what the real reason for the season is. And that's why we're here to celebrate the gift of God's Son. You're doing so well. And I love you to just continue to worship and praise for the gift of His Son. Come. 
sending his son, Jesus. We celebrate your love that came down. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful day. We can come and celebrate the birth of your son. And you know, when Jesus walked the earth and the very end of Matthew, you'll find that he said, Behold, I am with you always. Is that something you found today? That Jesus is with you? I trust you do this morning. That you found Jesus. You can look back on your life and you can see where God intervened sovereignly at different times and different places. And if you haven't understood who Jesus is today, I trust you do find him and that God keeps you and encourage you to walk with him. Thank you, Lord.
Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to please be seated right now. It's going to invite Mercy to come and read a passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 2. Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town, for the census. As a, as a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the hostel. There were shepherds camping in the neighbourhood. They had set night watches over the sheep. Suddenly... God's angel stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, Do not be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and Master. Ladies and gentlemen, give the Children's Choir a beautiful hand this morning. That is such an awesome job. And the Adults Choir might need a little bit of applause as well. Hey, welcome everyone to church. 
I trust you're enjoying this wonderful day and this is your very first time in church. Welcome this morning. Hope you feel loved this morning and hopefully you've got those wonderful gifts already this morning. Who's opened their presents already? No one. Fantastic. Sure. No. Someone's got to open their presents. Yeah, a couple back there. Very good. Did we get socks? Who got socks? Anything else? All right, you're welcome this morning. Have a wonderful time. I'm going to invite Pastor James to come and preach the Word of God this morning. Give him a hand as he comes and preaches the message of Jesus. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate that. Great to have you here this morning. I just add my welcome to Andrews this morning. Great to have you in church. If you're a family member today, welcome today. Good to have you. I've got some of my family here. If you're uh, just visiting, welcome this morning. Whatever situation, circumstance, you're here today. It's great to have you. It's not often that we get Christmas Day on a Sunday. Uh, apparently, it only happens every seven years. There you go. Uh, so uh, here we have Christmas Day on a Sunday. Uh, just in talking about that, next Sunday, if you hadn't kind of worked it out, will be... New Year's Day. So uh, we will be having our uh, service here on New Year's Day. We usually have two, 8.30 and 10.30. Uh, next Sunday, it'll just be a 10.30 service. Is that cool? Okay, so don't come to the 8.30. It won't happen, but just sleep in a bit. Is that right? And Because uh, it is, you know, it is New Year's Eve the day before, and you'll probably want to see the New Year in. So 10.30 next Sunday. That'd be great. Let me... Uh, Read this morning, uh, Mercy this morning read from an account of the birth of Jesus. And it was, uh, because there's several accounts in the Bible, the New Testament part of the Bible. Uh, Luke, what Mercy read. I want to read from a guy called Matthew. Matthew was an actual disciple of Jesus. And he says this in Matthew 1:18 and through the 25. Uh, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Please just understand that a Jewish culture uh, uh, to, uh, in those days was that if you were engaged, it was good as married. Okay, and so sometimes the terminology, we can confuse it. They weren't yet married, but they were like what we'd call engagement. They were committed to each other, and that's why Joseph, uh, of course, has found out that his uh, fiancé is pregnant. Uh, what would you do? <laughs> it's a bit of a tricky situation, but he's a good man because he says privately, I'm just going to kind of, uh, we'll, we'll, um, we'll stop the relationship. So that's what's being said here by Matthew. But God had other plans. Um, after he had considered all this, that's Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name, what? Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And this is what the prophet said. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home and his wife as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Do you know, when we read the events of this story, uh, they're quite remarkable, quite remarkable. Um, the, the, the unfolding of this whole story and the things that happened around his birth. And the truth is, if you're reading that this morning or listening to it for the very first time, I could understand that you could say that is really strange. That is like not normal. Uh, children aren't necessarily all conceived or even birth. That, that doesn't happen normal like that. And you know, you would be right because as you look at it, um, Mary became pregnant not by conventional means, she became apparently pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And then, uh, then we see the, an angel steps into the story, speaks to Joseph in a dream, and, and informs Joseph to marry Mary, uh, you know. And then if that wasn't enough, the angel says to Joseph, he tells, the, he tells him the name of the child. He is, even tells him it's a, the sex of the child, it'll be a little boy. 
And even though the name of Jesus, that he was to be named Jesus, and then and the angel says, but they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I mean, what's up with all of that? <laughs> That's, that I understand that that can seem quite strange. Uh, I'm sure none of us were conceived or brought into the world that way. Even though Mary's uh, birth and everything that happened from there was very natural, uh, very real, uh, it was, it's certainly the events leading up to it were quite strange. But you know, I have another word. I prefer to call Jesus' birth remarkable. Remarkable. And you know why? Uh, and and in, in saying remarkable, I mean exceptional, and also I mean exclusive to anyone else in history. He wasn't exclusive in the sense of not wanting to be with us, but he was exclusive in the way that his conception and birth came about. Interesting, isn't it? And so my question today is simply this, why is Jesus' birth remarkable? Well, first of all, I'd like to say Jesus' birth is remarkable because his birth was pre-announced, pre-foretold. And we see it in what Matthew said here, because in verse 23, he quoted from a man who wrote these words 800 years earlier, a man whose name was Isaiah. And Isaiah wrote this, and this is what he wrote, what, exactly what Matthew wrote down here in his account of the birth of Christ. He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, God with us. See, Matthew was just quoting um, someone from the Old Testament part of the Bible uh, that was written many hundreds of years uh, before uh, the actual um, New Testament, Jesus' birth. It's interesting. He's quoting from someone who lived and proclaimed something that was to happen. I mean, how did Isaiah know? Well, we can only guess it may be inspired by God to write that. And the writings about Jesus that came prior to his birth, um, you, you would know them. They're known as prophecies. And sometimes I think we can think of prophecies, you know, as, as vague and as some kind of um, Notre Dame's type um, prediction about the uh, future events, you know, we can think that. But I want to tell you, Bible prophecies about the birth of Christ are anything but vague. They gave us incredible detail. There's prophecies about, the, about his, where he would be born in Bethlehem. There's prophecies about how he would be born, which I just read uh, part of it from, a, uh, from Matthew's Gospel and Isaiah's quote. Uh, there's, there's even uh, prophecies about how he would die. Uh, and so there's many things. Five prophecies just in the Old Testament part of the Bible uh, by four different authors about the birth of Jesus, foretelling the birth of Jesus. And um, in actual fact, Jesus, when he lived for 33 years on this earth, uh, over th he fulfilled over 300 prophecies about his life while he was here. Now, this morning, rightly, you could say to me, well, that's Bible, about Bible, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, you're comparing, it's all the same, isn't it? But you know what? There's some historical uh, um, figures in the world who didn't write in the Bible, but they wrote about the birth of Jesus. There's a guy called Tacius. He was a Roman, he was a Roman um, a senator and historian. And he said in 58 AD, this is what he said. He says, people were generally persuaded in the faith of the ancient prophecies that the East was to prevail and that from Judea was to come the master and the ruler of the world. So this is a man who doesn't necessarily believe in God, but he's writing about, there's a general belief. He's saying at the time, he's a Roman historian, historian writing at the height of the Roman Empire, saying we go, oh, we're all fairly convinced that there would be a, a rise, a Jewish ruler greater than anyone who's gone before him. And if you were to search a little further, you'd get a guy called Plato, 400 years earlier, wrote about a universal king that would come into the world. Socrates, 500 years earlier, had said, you know, the same thing. There's a ruler who's coming into the world that will change things forever. Interesting, isn't it? One of the greatest proofs for me and the reality of Christ, the proof of the reality of Christ and His birth was because of these pre-announcements over and over and over and over again about Christ. Even those who had very little to do with a belief in God proclaimed it. And you know, that strengthens my faith because it says to me, and maybe for all of us today, that we're not believers in a mythological person, but we're actually believers in a real historical person, and His name was Jesus. And it it's also strengthens my faith because in troubled times, uh, that, and uncertain times we can live in, which the last 
several years has kind of proven that there's uncertain times and that we can have a confidence that if God can organize the birth of his son even hundreds of years earlier and get it so right, even though we read it and think, oh, that didn't go right, but it was amazing how God organized it so perfectly. If he can organize his son, certainly he could hold my future in his hands in an uncertain world that sometimes I feel I live in and maybe for you as well today. Here's the second thing I love about the, the remarkable, why I call Jesus' birth remarkable. Because for someone so perfect as Jesus, he had a really messy family backstory. And, 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 and if you look at what the angel said to Joseph uh, in Matthew's account there, you mightn't have picked it up, but he just said this. He called Joseph, Joseph, not just his first name, but he said, Joseph, son of David. Did you know that the earthly dad not the biological dad of Jesus was related to King David remember King David who killed Goliath with the sling and the stone that's the David that Joseph was related to and yet Joseph David's life was a remarkable man a remarkable king he uh, one of the greatest kings in our history and yet David had a little bit of a messy mistake sometimes he actually was involved with a woman slept with a woman who was married to another man uh, that's still called adultery. And then, of course, we see that David got his, that lady's husband murdered. So David kind of had some things that it just, he just didn't do it well. Uh, that's not to say that David didn't end well. I think he did, but he certainly made some mistakes. Kind of relates to me today. We make mistakes. Jesus also, in that line, you can read the whole genealogy of 38 um, generations at the start of Matthew's account in chapter 1. Jesus also had a lady called uh, Rahab who was a prostitute in his family line. And if that wasn't enough, there was another precious lady who was called Tamar. She also was a prostitute. And then there was Ruth. Um, and I'm not just picking on the ladies. Remember, I did mention David. Uh, but Ruth, uh, Ruth, who was, um, wasn't even a Jewish person. She was not an Israelite. She was a Moabite. And she worshipped idols before she came into that God's family. And this was all part of Jesus' heritage. And so out of all that, I see Jesus' backstory. There were people who had some blotches in their lives, and it was far from a perfect family. And you know what? He kind of foretells the love that Jesus would have for people with blotches in their past. I love that reality. And Jesus had a love for people who have a past that sometimes isn't pretty. I think that's what it shows very clearly. And because Jesus didn't come. Why? Why didn't? Why did he have a love for people imperfect? In fact, every one of us said imperfect, we're not perfect. But why did he have? Because even his own family contained people of all kinds of dysfunction. So we see that Jesus, uh, his birth was remarkable because he had a pretty messy family backstory. We see it was remarkable because it was his, he was one of the only, if not the only in the world, that his birth was pre-announced. But here's the last simple thought. Jesus' birth was remarkable because the birth was the most unselfish act the world has ever seen. The unselfish act. Because that same guy called Isaiah that I mentioned earlier actually states something again about Jesus' birth, a prophecy about his birth in Isaiah 9, 6. And this is what it says. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is what? given and then the rest of it unfolds which is incredible all the verses worthy to be read but I just wanted to give you I just focus upon that first line for to us a child is born the, which literally means for us so Jesus was born for us he wasn't just born for himself he was born for us in his life if you read through his life story you'll see that it was totally devoted to other people and he gave sometimes disregard for himself to help love, care, heal, touch, minister, feed other people. His life was all about others, not himself. All about others. And you know, I, I, I realize that we're a little bit like our Creator because we, we get great joy. And even at Christmas Day, have great joy at just doing things for others. You know, we give gifts because we think of others, what they'd like. We, we love others. We love family. We love friends. 
And so I want you to understand Jesus' life, as much as I may love others, I can get a little selfish sometimes, and we all can, uh, but Jesus never did, as we read his story. He was totally devoted to others. He was the most, in him being born, he didn't have to be born. He could have stayed in heaven. I mean, he he didn't have to come as a man because he was God, but he came. For God, it says, so loved the world that he gave his one son, that we should not die, but have eternal life, hey? So Jesus came on a mission for us, he, and we were the asset that he wanted to recover. He came for us. He came for us. I was very uh, young when I came to Gladstone. Well, I wasn't that young, sorry. I was 10. Um, I came from a little town called Gympie, and I remember um, when I was in Gympie, my primary school lived, I could walk to school. It was only meet, hundreds of meters from my home at any one time in the first four, uh, you know, three years of my schooling. And when I came to Gladstone, I had to catch a bus now to get home. And I remember the very first time that I had to catch a bus in Gladstone home to uh, where I lived. And uh, it was terrifying for me. I'd never been on a bus before. That's honest. <laughs> Well, maybe in Gladstone, I'd been, I don't remember in Gympie being on a bus. But anyway, I, I was fearful. I stood at the gate of West Primary School, a whole lot of other kids there, and they're there waiting. And for me, I was just petrified. I was a fairly shy kind of young, young man growing up, and, and I didn't know which bus to hop on. You know, which bus do I hop on? Will it have my mum's name on it? I, I didn't know. You know, <laughs> it would have been really good if it did. <laughs> um, you hop on this bus, it would have, but you know, would mum and dad be on the bus there? Well, I kind of realized that's not going to happen. And so the first bus pulled up, I jumped on it. I thought this must be the one. And I got on the bus, and thankfully, my parents had gone before me, and they'd mentioned to the bus drivers that I may be on the wrong bus. And so, the bus driver called out, is anybody here by the name of James Hewitt? I said, that's me. He says, this isn't your bus, hop off. <laughs> so I hopped off. Now, if I wasn't terrified and fearful and anxious before, now I was doubly. Which bus do I jump on? In actual fact, tears started to run down my face. You think, well, you know, you're a little bit of a sook, weren't you? Well, yeah. I didn't know which bus to jump on. And all I wanted right there at that moment was someone to come for me. All I wanted at that moment was dad to turn up or mum to turn up and just take me out of this incredible bad moment in my life. Who knows what bus? I may end up in another world. I wouldn't have a clue. That was my thoughts as a 10-year-old. I just wanted them to come for me. I just wanted them to pull up in their car and pick me up and take me home. I just, this was a nightmare to me at that moment. It's amazing what you remember. It's often when you remember details so clearly, it's often, in, you know, it's been inf- impregnated in your brain because it was a terrifying moment and it was a terrifying moment. Now, I won't leave you to suspense. I just jumped on the next bus. The bus driver didn't say hop off. I thought that'll do me. <laughs> and somehow I got to Coast Street and I got home. But I want to just tell you, Jesus Christ came for us. Because I think in every one of our lives, there's times when we just wish someone would come for us. You know, I, I, I had three daughters. I knew that they just, they, when they were growing up and they were looking to their future and maybe someone to marry, they, in their minds, I was just waiting for their knight in shining armor. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. They just wanted some to come and fight for them, someone to come say, yeah. It's not, that they're, it's not that they weren't a part of the decision. I'm just saying we all, you know, I understand ladies want to be cared for and loved, don't you? They want someone to come for them. You know, for all of us, sometimes we're in situations in life and we just want someone to come and care, someone to be there, come for us. I want to tell you, 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 Jesus Christ mightn't stand here today, but His presence is here through the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that impregnated Mary is here. And He says to you, you know what? He'll always be coming for you. Not to intrude on your life because it says in the Bible, He'll knock on the door of your heart. He'll never force the door. He'll never, He'll just knock. And it says, whoever opens, He will come in and have a meal with them. That's metaphorically speaking, He wants to connect with you. See, he'll come for us. And Jesus Christ has done all the hard work already. He's, um, as the tea come this morning, you know what he's done? He's, he's, he's died on a cross because there was one problem with humanity. 
And our problem was is that we were um, separated from God and we need to be reunited with God. And God said, you know what? I'll send Jesus. And Jesus came and he, and he could see the problem of the world. The world had kind of turned their back on God a little bit. Not everyone. And it wasn't sometimes done purposefully, but people had. And so he wanted to reconnect with humanity. That's why he sent Jesus and why Jesus came for us. And as he came for us, Someone had to deal with all the, all the stuff that we've done wrong, all the bad decisions we've made, all the mistakes that we've had. And Jesus Christ didn't come to condemn us. That's the good news. He came to lift us up out of sometimes the things that we face and the, the, the feelings we have that are, and all the issues that we've been involved in. He comes to lift us up and bring us through that and say, you know what? I've come to give you life and life eternal. I've come to forgive our mistakes, forgive our sin, and I want you. And if you would receive that, that would be the start of a belief in a relationship with me. It's as simple as that. And what a great! They actually call him. There's many names for Jesus, but one of his names is Savior. And you might say, "Well, I don't need a Savior because I don't feel like I need rescuing." But the reality is, is that I could probably feel that sometimes. But I know that I have a past as well. Haven't done everything perfect. I've made some really bad decisions, not good decisions. And I know that somehow I can try and hide them and just put them inside, but sometimes they come up as pain and hurt in other ways. And I've discovered Jesus actually can take them. Guilt, shame, whatever is involved, and He can give me incredible peace. And I can live with myself. And I can live loving myself and loving others. Because of Jesus. He'd done the hard work when he died on a cross. Incredible moment in his life. He was, he was born to die for humanity, wasn't he? And then he just says simply this. He says, if you believe, if you believe in your heart. You know, it's not a belief in your head. It's easy to sometimes think of an historical Jesus and say, yeah, he lived, he existed, he walked the earth. But could you believe in your heart that he was actually God on earth? And if you believe, then it just talks about, well, you'd have a confession, wouldn't you? If you believe in something, you're going to confess it. I believe, you know, I believe a lot of things. I believe when I was growing up at Harder Holden, Holden were always better than Ford. I believe that. Now I've had Ford. I don't believe, and Holden's given up on Australia, so, you know. <laughs> so there's, your belief will become your confession, and, you know, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, he just confess. He says, confess with your mouth. And you know what? It's interesting, but the thing that I've, I've, I've tried to work out the best way for us to connect with God, and I've discovered one of the ways is just simply coming to him and just having a conversation. And it might seem like a monologue, but I want to tell you, he can speak into your heart and it can become a dialogue too. And the, and, and the first initial prayer that you may ever pray could just simply be a, pr a prayer of belief. And it might go like this, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you came. You came for all of us. You didn't come just for the good. You came for every person. And there's no good anyway. All of us have fallen short. And Jesus, I thank you for what you've come. And, and, and I would believe in my heart what you did for me when you died on a cross to take those sin, to take the past, the mistakes. And I believe in my, and I confess it now, and I receive you. Help me to live for you because, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get it perfect. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. It can be a simple prayer like that. And so on this Christmas Day, I suppose our message is that there is a lover of your soul. His name is Jesus Christ. And he has the best plan and purpose, not just for now in this life, but also for eternity, because he will pursue you and come for you till your dying day, till your dying breath. Despite what the world says about God, despite all the bad news about Christians in the world and how they do this and how they do that, yeah, they probably do, but there is a perfect Saviour Jesus. And sometimes we've got to take our eyes off all the bad things and all the churches that don't get it right and all the people who mess up and we just need to come and give focus to the one who was great and he was mighty and he was perfect and that was Jesus. So let's have a great Christmas and uh, enjoy whatever it may be today. You might, I hope, uh, family, friends, Whatever it may be, food usually is involved in that. But let's not forget 
Jesus. Thank you. We're going to just, are we going to stand? Kate, can we stand just one more time today as we close? That'd be great. this morning that Jesus is the reason for the season. The greatest gift of all was what God gave to us when true love came to restore us and renew us back to Him. So how about you go and celebrate this morning with all your family and all your friends. And remember, when you, each time you give a gift, the gift of God that He gave to us. Have a wonderful day, everyone, and Merry Christmas.